Welcome to the Retail Ready Podcast, hosted by Ben Wyatt, your destination for product development, food trends, and some serious knowledge bombs about the food industry. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Retail Ready Podcast. We're on episode number 58. And before I start the show, I just want to do a huge shout out to our main sponsor, Huff & Puff Pork Crackle, which is made here in Australia. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting this podcast from the start and helping keep this podcast going so the industry can stay connected. In today's episode, I am joined by Michael Fox, who is the founder of Fable Foods. If you have listened to this podcast from the start, you'll know I'm a huge supporter of the innovation which is happening in the plant-based industry. Fable Foods has created a product which I believe is incredible and innovative. It's made from mushrooms. I never expected mushrooms to be this versatile and taste so good. And it's that good, Heston Blumenthal has actually got it on his restaurant menu. Incredible what these guys have done. The product, I believe, will be coming to a Woolworths soon, so make sure you head over there and give it a try. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Michael and the Fable Foods story. Huff and Puff Pork Crackle is Australian-owned and made right here from 100% real Australian pork. Hand fried and available in a range of flavors, the tasty crunch is hard to resist. And then hopefully it pops up on yours, but it's coming through nice and clear anyway. So that's we that's actually just started doing. chatting to HelloFresh before because um, we we sell through Marley Spoon. Um, ah right, and we started chatting to HelloFresh. They reached out to us just before all the coronavirus stuff, but they've and um, they were starting <laughs> yeah, a bit busy now. Yeah, yeah, they're a bit busy. They were starting testing with it, and they really liked it. But then they said, oh, we've just got to put all new development stuff on hold. Um, so we'll come back to you afterwards. So if, you, if you're filling out a survey or something with them, um, pl- please mention it to them that, um, that it would be good because that might, uh, might help, help. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm sure it'll be okay once uh, we'll get in with them once things come back around. But, but yeah, mentioning it to them can't hurt if you're I, filling I, out a survey. I, I, think, uh, I think I'll have to do that. I literally sent them a photo on Saturday Saturday afternoon ah. uh, because we get our box on a Saturday yep. and we've, we normally get the box, take the stuff out, put the stuff in the fridge, throw the box away in the recycling bin. Yep. Whereas my daughter goes, can I have the box? Like, <laughs> you, you sure can knock yourself out. I did not know one box could make a child happy for, <laughs> for about four and a half hours. That's um, awesome. How old's your she, daughter? Oh, she's three. Oh, um, awesome. She, she played with this box and it's been painted on. It's had things cut out of it. It's had the dog in there. And I was just going, this is great. Well done, Hello Fresh. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to, we get a Marley Spoon box tomorrow and I've got a three and a half year old, so I'm going to have to uh, see if I can get four and a half hours out of him on that one too. Yeah, just can get in the boxes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think we should start this podcast live. People are going to go, these guys have hit record. Um, <laughs> what, what, what are we listening to? Like literally, uh, who, who are these two random blokes on a uh, retail ready podcast? Talking about boxes. <laughs> Yeah, this is going to be a fantastic episode. Uh, we can't wait to talk about carton sizing and, and flute sizes. Um, but Michael, absolute pleasure to have you on the Retail Ready podcast. Um, I'm just going to go straight into it. Michael Fox, who do you represent? What is this amazing brand and product that you're bringing to market? And we're just going to go with the questions because I got a sample in the post. 
I can't rate it highly enough, but I'll, I want to give you give you the time just to give an overview of who you are. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me, Ben, um, and, and great to chat. Um, yeah, so our, our product that we've developed uh, is called Fable, and it's a um, meat. Or, it's an alternative to slow cooked meats like pulled pork and braised beef and beef brisket, um, and we make it using uh, predominantly mushrooms and then other all natural plant based ingredients. Um, yeah, a little bit. I can share a bit about my background and and how we got to this point too, if that's helpful. Um, I actually, I'd, I'd actually want to know about your background because when we spoke um, a couple of weeks ago uh, to organize this podcast, I actually did a bit more research. And are you actually, do you actually have your own shoe brand? <laughs> like, I'm only, I only laugh because there seems to be a thing that's going on at the moment with this podcast. I've had a carpenter make these crazy nootropic drinks, uh, an economist make this unbelievable plant-based cheese like all these people who are not food background seems to be coming up with the innovative ideas so That's i'm awesome. doing something wrong <laughs> <laughs> so you had you had veronica from uh gra- grounded on did you I, lo- I love how you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think us crazy people must uh hang out together or something <laughs> you, you, you you must all be going to yeah the same university that has all these different night courses and then you kind of go you know what Let, let's get into the food business yeah. no, one, no, no one's doing any innovation yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I did have a uh, a women's shoe brand. Um, good, good research. Well done. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was called uh, it was called Shoes of Prey, and you could um, go online and design your own shoes, and then we would um, make them for you and deliver them to you. So, yeah, it was kind of women's fashion shoes. So you could change like the toe shape, the heel height, different leathers, colors, and materials. Um, yeah, and and design your own shoes. Effort. So is that a fashion your background or, um, uh, yeah, not, <laughs> or just something you fell into? Yeah, it's kind of, kind of something I fell into. My, um, yeah, I was originally a lawyer, um, didn't really like being a lawyer, so I went and uh, worked for a retailer, um, super retail group, super cheap auto um, for two, two and a half years and did like a graduate program there. Um, then went to Google for two and a half years uh, doing advertising sales. Um, and then I guess kind of combined that sort of passion for retail and online marketing and did an online retail business. Um, so then did Choose a Prey for about 10 years. So, so oh, yeah, wow. for me, it was kind of coming at it from that that sort of yeah, retail and uh, an online angle as opposed to um, specifically fashion. But I learned That's a lot about fashion awesome. over the 10 years. Yeah. I'd hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so then what then made you go into food? And I want to kind of touch on, the, there's yourself, there's Chris and this Jim. Yep. Is it still you three who kind of head things up at Fable Foods, or are you the the three musketeers kind of thing that is growing the brand? And please just go into as much detail as you can about what Jim does, because I've never actually heard <laughs> of a. Is it a my my logical officer? Like, well, <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a mycologist. So I think I think we have written somewhere he's our chief mycological officer. That's right. <laughs> a mycologist is a mushroom scientist. <laughs> yeah. Then you're gonna have to go from the start. What made yeah. you go from shoes yeah. to creating fable foods? 
Yeah, so um, so yeah, I finished up with Shoes of Prey in the middle of 2018, um, and yeah, Shoes of Prey had been a kind of a, a crazy startup roller coaster ride. Um, sort of some highs of we'd sort of grown the business to sort of 200 people, raised 35 million dollars. Wow. Um, uh, we had a had yeah team in the and I was living in Los Angeles um, as we partnered with Nordstrom in the US and expanded over there. Um, through to the lows of yeah, we just we. We tried to transition from um, doing well with this niche, passionate, sort of creative customer who'd been designing yeah. their own shoes. We tried to transition from that to a mass market customer. Um, and yeah, the, the mass market customer just, um, our market research was wrong and she didn't want to design her own shoes. So ultimately we ended up ended up closing the business. Oh, um, wow. So I finished up with uh, Shoes of Prey middle of 2018. Um and took six months off after that. Sort of, sort of needed a bit of a break after after that kind of crazy yeah, roller coaster of a, of a journey. Um, and, and also just yeah, just wanted some wanted some time out. Hadn't really had a proper holiday for a decade. Um, yeah. And during that time, um, just kind of, I had my second second child was born, so I took some time out being a parent. Um, and then just kind of went wherever my intellectual curiosity took me. Just read a lot of books and and different things and. I'd, I'd gone vegetarian four and a half years ago. Um, for me, uh, kind of ethical, environmental and health reasons um, in, in that order. Um, and so, yeah, one of the areas I just ended up reading a lot about and exploring was industrial animal agriculture and, um, and meat alternatives. Um, and I just got very passionate about the space and very passionate about the idea of wanting to help contribute to ending industrial animal agriculture for, for all those same reasons I'd gone vegetarian. And then thinking through the best ways I could uh, help contribute to that. Um, uh, I guess a few thoughts had gone through my mind. Um, firstly, being vegetarian, I'd talked to lots of people around me about um, about what they ate and I'd tried to convince a lot of people to turn vegetarian. Um, and, and I think I've convinced two people in four and a half years. I caught <laughs> up with him recently and he's not even vegetarian anymore. Wow. Um, so I'm, I'm a pretty bad activist. Um, so... <laughs> thought, well, maybe I can apply my entrepreneurial skills uh, and start a meat alternative company. Like a lot of the people I was talking to, you know, they want to reduce their meat consumption, um, particularly for health reasons. Um, people sort of understand that the amount of meat they're eating is, isn't good for them. Uh, but And also some people for environmental reasons as well. Uh, but that, So they want to reduce their meat consumption, but they love the taste and texture of meat. And, you know, they don't want to eat falafel balls and hemp seed patties. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, sort of realized, well, if you can produce something that has the taste and texture of meat, uh, but make it from something other than animals, um, that, that there's a lot of people out there who would love a product like that. And, you know, you can see the success of um, companies like Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods and uh, in Australia, V2 Foods and, and mm-hmm. Sunfed and others um, who, are, who are doing this. Um, so, yeah, figured I'd start a meat alternative company. Um, wanted to kind of do something or serve a different segment of the market to, to where other players are, are operating. Um, so I was thinking through, well, firstly, I'd like to replicate a different type of meat than, um, than burgers and ground and, and minced beef. Um, cause, cause a lot of companies were doing that and doing that yep. well already. Um, and then the second thought was, uh, I'm a pretty healthy eater shop at my local farmer's market, still lot of my own cooking. Um, and I wanted to develop a meat alternative that was made out of um, all natural, really healthy, minimally processed ingredients. Um, and so that was that thought that sort of led me down the path of 
but I, I went and talked to a lot of people in the food industry because, yeah, as you as you touched on, my, my background is uh, is is the fashion industry rather than food. So, so it's I good, good good to do a little bit of research. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had these ideas, <laughs> but I, I didn't, and I figured that there was a market there for a product like that, but um, I had no idea if it was even possible to create something like that. Mm. So I went and talked to a lot of people in the food industry, and and because I wanted, wanted to learn more about about it. Um, and then through that sort of discovered the idea of using mushrooms as a, as a base for a, for a meat alternative, you know, mushrooms are very healthy food. Um, they've got a lot of the natural umami flavors of meat in them. Um, uh, but the kind of the taste and texture is not, not quite meat like, but, but it's yeah. kind of in the right direction. So, so my thought was, could you turn mushrooms into something meat like? Yeah. Just as you do. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. yeah. I'm always thinking that. Always. <laughs> And so that then led me to talk to people in the mushroom industry, and that's how I met Jim and Chris. So, uh, so yeah, Jim uh, grew up in Texas on all those kind of slow-cooked barbecue meats, worked as a chef for 10 years in Texas, wanted to understand the science behind what he was cooking. So he went and studied chemical engineering and agricultural science, um, and he ended up majoring in mycology in agricultural science, which is yeah, mushroom science. Uh, and then he's worked as a – he moved from – the US, he's got an Australian wife. So then he moved to Australia and he's worked as a mushroom scientist for the last 12 years. Um, Incredible. Yeah. So kind of pretty crazy skill set of in one human being for what we're doing, a, a chef and a mushroom scientist all, all, all in one. Um, and and Jim had also, he'd, he'd gone vegan for a year um, for all the, you know, all, all the sort of reasons that, that um, people should be eating less meat but he really he really struggled with it um, because yeah. he, yeah, he just, he grew up on all those slow cooked Texan barbecue oh, meats, yeah. um, and so he, fe- he fell off the vegan bandwagon. Um, so this is his uh, attempt to recreate those meats, but uh, without using animals. Um, so it's kind of a yeah, as, as much a personal passion project for him as uh, you know, as as it is for as it is for me wanting to um, wanting to help people reduce their meat consumption. Um, and then Chris McLaughlin <clears throat> um, co-founded Australia's largest organic mushroom farm. Um, and oh, wow. uh, he was he was organic Australian organic farmer of the year in 2018 and young farmer of the year in 2018. Um, and so Chris has got this yeah agri- strong agricultural background and specifically in mushrooms. Um, and yeah, so between Chris and Jim, uh, they they know everything there is to know about uh, growing mushrooms, the science behind mushrooms, and how to cook mushrooms. And they'd actually been experimenting with. Um, with developing some um, meat alternatives out of mushrooms that they were sort of in, in the really early phases of it when I met them, um, but they sort of had that thought and were exploring that um, as a concept. Uh, and so, yeah, we met and, um, yeah, joined forces. It's kind of a good combination of skills. that They come with the technical mushroom background. Um, I come with the, the sort of business side of things. And, um, yeah, together we've developed uh, our first product, which, yeah, as we kind of talked through before, and as you've tried, is a is a slow cooked meat alternative um, with shiitake mushrooms as the core ingredient. I absolutely love stories like that. I just I just love the the randomness and kind of <laughs> how kind of and you touched on it like experts in the different fields have just combined and has created this product. And to everyone who's listening, like there's there's a lot of meat free alternatives out there and kind of meatless uh, products and vegan products. And I always think of it as like the gluten-free phase back in like the nineties and early um, 
2000s where it tasted absolute dog shit. Like literally things tasted awful and then things had to evolve and kind of the vegan kind of options and plant-based options are evolving as well. And when people say, oh, I've got a great meat alternative product, I always have that, oh, really? Like, is it is it good or is it just <laughs> soy and a bit of pea protein stuck together with a load of emulsifiers? The product that you sent me um, the other week is just incredible. It looks like beef brisket. It, you, when you open it, it has, and then start frying it off, it it had that aroma that came through that you kind of go, ah, this this could actually be this could actually be meat and then the taste is it it has the texture and what what the best thing that got about me about your product was kind of the the little gristly notes in there and like it actually was like oh it feels like beef fat and i just went that is fantastic and i actually had it raw the first time just because i just wanted to open the pack stick it on a pan (laughs) and uh, eat it and then i've just been mixing it around in different foods and from someone who's done a lot of research and a lot of development in jackfruit, I feel that this is kind of jackfruit on steroids. Like it's it's not even in a different league. It's in a completely different league, sorry. And what an incredible story. But how did you get it from an idea with you three guys to then kind of popping it in a bag, getting the production line? What was the process there? Yeah, no, and th- th- thanks, and thanks for your feedback on the product. Yeah, it, it really has been a, a labor of love putting it uh, putting it together over the last uh, uh, sort of bit over eighteen months, um, wow. and and yeah, it's, it's it's really nice to hear feedback like that. Um, uh, yeah, so we we yeah started started working developing it. Um, yeah, we wanted to do a slow cooked meat alternative, um, yeah, different to what everyone else was doing on the market. Mm. Jim's favorite type of meat. Um, and so, yeah, we sort of started developing it and then, yeah, pretty, pretty quickly we were think, starting to think through, you know, how are we going to scale production of this? And you know, we made sure that whatever we were developing, um, we made sure to only use ingredients that had the ability to scale. You know, there's yeah. no point in using some particular exotic mushroom that there's a limited supply of or that's really, really expensive. Um, so we kind of started with all of the, um, you know, all of the most commonly grown mushrooms and yeah, okay, um, yeah. we pretty quickly settled on shiitake mushroom. Um, sh- shiitake is a, um, a slower growing mushroom. And um, so because of that, the mushrooms are a little bit firmer. Um, and so when you, so we take the shiitake mushroom and we shred it. Um, and that's what gives you that sort of stringy texture of the slow cooked meats. And, and we shred uh, with some yeah sm- some smaller pieces and larger pieces sort of a, we do a bit of a variable shred and that's what gives you some of those um, as you described it some of those like mis- gr- gristly meaty yeah, bits okay oh, um, that's nice to know yeah yeah and um, and so yes we were using the shiitake shiitake mushroom was kind of actually kind of the perfect mushroom to use for this type of meat um, and so yeah then the question was well how can we how and where can we scale um, or can we source enough shiitake mushroom and scale manufacturing of of the product. Um, so it turns out that um, in, Aust- in Australia we eat 2.3 kilograms of meat, per- uh, sorry, of mushrooms per person per year. We eat about 110 kilograms of meat per person per year. Um, yeah, okay, wow. Whereas in Asia um, they eat about 13 and a half kilograms of mushrooms per person per year, um, and only about 20 kilograms of meat per person per year. So they eat about five times the amount of mushrooms per person um, as we do in Australia. Um, plus, there's obviously a lot more people in Asia. So there's um, 
uh, and shiitake mushroom is the most commonly grown and eaten mushroom in Asia. Whereas in Australia, it's um, the agaricus mushroom, which is the, the white button mushroom that, that we see most commonly in, in our supermarkets. Um, so not much shiitake is actually grown in Australia. So okay. um, we pretty quickly looked at Asia for, um, for sourcing the mushrooms. And, and Jim has done a lot of work in Asia over the last 10 years just because the mushroom industry is so much bigger over there. Um, so, so he yeah, knows a lot of mushroom farmers over there. So we're sourcing the shiitake mushrooms um, ourselves directly from Asia. Um, and then uh, for actually manufacturing the product, um, we initially looked at a, doing it in Australia, um, but there's just there's the mushroom industry here is so small, um, yeah. and there's not a lot of people. Most of the most of the mushrooms sold are just sold fresh. There's not really a lot of people doing any um, sort of value added work to mushrooms. Um, whereas that's not the case in Asia. The, the mushroom industry is so much bigger, and there's a lot of value add work done with mushrooms. So there's a lot more knowledge of how to how to cook and scale production of mushroom products. There's a lot, so a lot more knowledge, a lot more equipment. Um, so we pretty quickly settled on, um, on Malaysia and, and found a really good factory in Malaysia that does a lot of work with mushrooms. Um, and so we've scaled up production with them. Um, we do, we are talking to some Australian manufacturers um, and, and we're also developing some more mushroom-based meat alternatives. Um, and so we'd, we'd love to do a meat alternative that uses agaricus and that's made in Australia. So, so that's something that we're working on. But, but yeah, kind of speed to market and getting this first product out there. Um, this was the, this was the wow. best path to doing it. You make it, you make it sound, sound so simple. I, I know because I am actually in the industry. I'm not a shoemaker or anything like that. Um, uh, finding just one supplier that can do the right job anywhere is hard enough so you make it sound oh yeah we just found this factory in malaysia like <laughs> months of work trying to find make sure that yeah the partnership's right uh the quality's right and stuff like that and right that is, that is absolutely a fantastic achievement on on your behalf um, oh, thanks and, and i th- and i think actually that's where a bit of my, my fashion background helped speed that up I, it, it was months actually probably a year's worth of work from from meeting the you know starting looking for the right partner to to actually launching the product um but i'd done that before in the fashion business um doing shoes you know there's there's no shoe manufacturing done in australia so we'd done all our manufacturing in asia and we'd started out outsourcing the manufacturing and and actually in the end we built our own shoe factory in china um so so i think that experience sped it all up for me this you know this probably would have taken two or three times longer had i had i not have done that before just easier the second it took two or three times longer the first time around it just <laughs> yeah. sped up a little bit this time and there we go at least learn from your mistakes exactly exactly and there were plenty of those so then you've got this fantastic product you've you've been able to scale it up and get the right people on board and i'm going to go straight into it because a certain famous chef um now uses your product in his restaurants how did that come about and and who is this little gem of a gem of a magician um, <laughs> that everybody would know? Yeah. So um, yeah. So that that's it's been super exciting. So yeah. So Heston Blumenthal, um, the, the 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 British chef um, with yeah with his restaurant the Fat Duck in London. Um, for for those who may not know him. Um, so yeah, Heston. A couple of years ago, uh, he's he's uh, been really interested in the sort of brain gut connection. Um, you know, he's a, he's a creative scientific, uh, food mm. genius. Um, and so he'd been spending a lot of time in the, particularly exploring mushrooms as a, as a, 
food um, because of all of those sort of health and prebiotic um, benefits. Uh, And so through that, Heston had uh, met this Thai mushroom professor who's quite famous in the mushroom world. Um, And he'd reached out to this Thai mushroom professor and said, you know, I'm I'm keen to come over and meet with you and learn more about mushrooms. Um, This Thai mushroom professor and Jim have known each other for years. And so because Jim is both a chef and a mushroom scientist, um, this Thai mushroom professor reached out to Jim and said, oh, uh, Jim Heston Blumenthal's coming over to meet with me. You know, there's obviously things I can talk to him about, but but you might actually want to come over and chat to him because you're a chef as well as a mushroom scientist and um, there might be some more things that you guys can talk about. And so that was a couple of years ago. And for wow. Jim, it was, it was a real thrill because when he'd been working as a chef, um, he his idol had always been Heston. And, <laughs> oh, fantastic. And actually Heston's the reason that Jim went and studied chemical engineering and agricultural science. Jim had never met Heston, but but he, he loved Heston's kind of scientific approach to food. And so that's actually why he, yeah, he got this, wanted to go and, and study chemical engineering and agricultural science to understand the science behind what he was cooking. So when he, yeah, when he got this call, he was like, yeah, straight on a plane <laughs> over. <laughs> um, and they ended up spending a couple of Jim and, and, and Chris was working with Jim at the time too. So Chris went over as well. So the three of them ended up spending a couple of days together visiting uh, mushroom farms in Thailand and um, exploring exploring mushrooms in all sorts of different ways. And um, they sort of really hit it off. And then uh, Heston was in Melbourne um, about 18 months ago for the Grand Prix. And uh, they spent another couple of days together in Melbourne. And so then last year, um, Heston was in Singapore for the Grand Prix. And so we mm-hmm. took our product over and uh, showed it to him. And, and yeah, he lo- loved the product and, um, and wanted to work with it, which was... Yeah, a real, real thrill, uh, real thrill for us. And yeah, it's been obviously been an awesome, um, awesome endorsement. Uh, it's made it made it sort of much easier getting the product out into market. And um, yeah, it gives us that just makes it easier to get meetings when we've got that sort of credibility yeah. from a from a chef like Heston. Well, what an endorsement that is! Like, that's fantastic. Yeah, you've got all your Instagram influencers. You can't get a bigger influence in uh, the food world to be honest really right yeah yeah no exactly yeah no Um, thanks so then you've you've got it now going into yeah some of the world's best restaurants where does it go from for you guys to to kind of scale it and get it into people's kind of kitchens all over the globe to be honest um or what what's the plan of attack for the future there? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, I mean, the reason the reason that I'm doing this is um, I want to help contribute to ending industrial animal agriculture. So to mm-hmm. do that, um, you know, it's 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 amazing to have the product used in um, Heston's restaurant, but um, but that's a you know that's only a starting point. Like if we want to help end industrial animal agriculture, we've got to got to have the product available for for everybody. Um, so the, the our sort of go to market strategy has been sort of yeah position the product as a really premium high quality product that that we've developed for chefs um because because that's that is what we did yeah. um and then uh then sort of work our way through to um to the to getting the product out to mainstream customers so so yeah we launched with heston in december um we've been selling through the meal kit company marley spoon um since since uh december as well um and, and the product's done really well through there uh we've Prior to the coronavirus shutdowns, we'd been in about 50 restaurants. Um, uh, and then we just launched uh, last week in our first sort of retail version of the product into Harris Farm in New South Wales. So we're in 15 of the Harris Farm stores. 
Um, and then in, uh, what are we down to now? Five, five weeks time, we launch into 600 Woolworth stores in Australia. Oh, wow. Um, and what kind of format are you selling to, for like Harris Farms and Woolies? What kind of uh, packaging format and size are you going yeah. out with? So yeah, two, 250 gram uh, pack of the product. Um, uh, Woolies uh, retail a 250 gram pack of uh, pulled beef made from cows. Uh, for $8.50 um, and so we've targeted that exact same price point so we're doing a $2.50 uh, sorry 250 gram pack of Fable yeah. for, for $8.50 um, oh, wow. and uh, we have two slight uh, variations on the product so the product into Harris Farm is um, is our we call it a slow braised meat but it's closer to a pulled pork um, and, and that's yeah. actually the one that you've tried um, and then into in Woolworths we're launching our braised beef product which is a yeah, slightly beefier, more like a braised beef than a pulled pork, slightly beefier version of the product, um, but, but they're, they're quite similar. That is fantastic. So you're saying five weeks for the Woolies uh, launch? Yeah, so it'll be mid, mid-June. mid Yep. Fantastic. And do you know where it will be sitting? Because this is always a big, a big question on a lot of even customers and category managers. Um, it's where where do you sit it? Do you sit it next to the vegan stuff or do you sit it next to the pulled pork? Do you know where your product will be sitting next to? Yeah, yeah. So so our um you know, I'm I'm vegetarian, but I'm I'm not the target I'm not the customer that mm. we're targeting. You know, we want to help end industrial animal agriculture. Vegans and vegetarians already aren't eating meat. So um so if we were just selling to vegans and vegetarians, we wouldn't wouldn't be achieving our mission. Um, so we want to get the product in front of people who are eating meat but want to reduce their meat consumption. Um, so, yeah, being ranged near the meat section or in the meat section is where we want yeah. to be and, and that's where um, that's where Woolies are putting us. So, so yeah, they you're right. They put meat alternative products either in the dairy case, there's a vegan section, um, or they put them in, there's a meat alternative section uh, just next to the meat section. So, so we're going into the latter. Oh, fantastic. Well, that's, I didn't know that. So that's absolutely fantastic to hear that it's going into retail because it's, yeah, after tasting it, I'm just kind of going, oh, I wonder how many more people can get this. So it's great to know that um, more hands can get on the product. And uh, thanks, Ben. I think there's going to be a lot of crazy creations uh, from from your product anyway, because I saw there was one recipe I saw um and now I, I want to try it, and it's the the duck pancake. Uh, yeah. I want to try it with duck because that that I can just see that working very well. So uh, it's yeah. I also want to touch on, and this is a very random one. You sell a clothesline as well. Is that your influence again from the fashion world because you can buy table food clothing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is. I can't, I kind of. <laughs> That is a, I don't know if it's a hangover or a carryover from, from my fashion days. But yeah, it's like in thinking about building the Fable brand, like one of the things I yep. love about the fashion industry, like fat fashion does branding really, really well. Um, I think in food, I think the, I think drinks do branding really well. But yeah. in the food category, I, I, I don't think branding is done all that well. Like like most, of, it's a, yeah. yeah, like most of the big food brands are just very kind of mainstream, kind of conservative. They've been around for sort of fifty, sometimes a hundred or more years. Um, whereas in fashion, there's just like there's so much excitement in and sort of newness and interesting partnerships and different things going on in fashion. So when we're thinking about developing the Fable brand, we wanted to bring that kind of fashion branding element into it. 
And so we thought, all right, we're going to do a, um, a fashion line and uh, kind of use that as our test, like for, for how many, you know, how many people are buying the actual fashion <laughs> items for how well we, we've done our branding. I love it because I was like when when Hayley um, from Australian Superfoods introduced us, I was like, oh, I'll check out, go on the website. And I think I was actually on on the, I was looking at the clothes before I actually looked at the product because <laughs> I, I never buy myself any clothes. It's, it's only because I'm on, a, I'm on an absolute strict budget to try and create my own little uh, brand and enterprise. So every bit of income I get is being pushed aside. Yep. And I look at, I look at all those nice clothes and it is it like, literally, if you're listening to this, everyone, like just go on Fable Foods Um Check out the product. I highly recommend checking out the the, the, the mushroom uh, beef brisket. But the clothes I was looking at, going shit, these are, these are really nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh, lovely colours. And then I was literally, I must have been in a phase where I was going, Ben, you need to buy yourself some clothes. Because it's, <laughs> it's, it's been it's been too long. But yeah, very. I think it's a great effort. And now that makes sense. That yeah, why not um, let people wear wear the branding and. It, again, it goes back to that tribe mentality of the more people that you can get in in that tribe, and if they're proud to wear your hoodies and t-shirts, then it just goes to show that you're you're onto something uh, worthwhile, and people are proud to wear your brand, but also hopefully consume your brand and do a bit of good on the world at the same time. Yeah, no, thanks, thanks, Ben. Yeah, yeah. So. If anyone wants to, well, we know if they want to try it, um, it'll be coming to a local Woolworths or Harris Farms. If they want to have a look at the clothesline and to to follow um, yourself, where where would you send where would you send people? Yeah, so the website is um, fablefood.co. Uh, then um, Instagram's probably the uh, our most active social media presence. So um, we're just at fablefoodco on Instagram. Uh, we're also on Facebook at, at, um, at Fable Food Co. as well, uh, Twitter at Fable Food Co. and on LinkedIn as Fable Food Co. So yeah, any of, any of those are probably the best places to to follow. Absolutely incredible, and I just appreciate your time uh, and hearing your journey because I think even now I still get amazed by the guests that come on board who. A have not been from a food background, or B just just seeing that opportunity and uh, and have gone for it. And it's incredible to hear that ten years ago you were making shoes, and now you're trying to change the way that people eat for the better. And and it's actually a great product. So I wish you all the luck in the world, but I don't think you need it because you're already smashing it. So I just want to say thank you for your time, uh, Michael. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, listening to to a great story. You're, you're very kind. Thank, thank you, Ben. Really, really appreciate it, and yeah, re- really enjoyed chatting to you too. Oh yeah, thank Haley for introducing us. That's yeah, uh, definitely fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great week or, or or weekend, whatever you get up to. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Ben. You too. Yeah.